0: It's good to be here this morning, I'm thankful for the opportunity I have to speak with you and hopefully the things that we'll talk about this morning will be beneficial to you, I think, um, in studying and getting ready for this, I think they've been beneficial to me. We spent some time singing there about praying and in just a minute we'll read some of Jesus's model prayer. But before we get into that, I was thinking about heaven. Do you ever spend time thinking about heaven, what it'll be like in heaven? Um just just, what will it be like there? Most of the time, I think, when we think about heaven, we think about the things that are here on earth that won't be there. You know, in Revelation 21 and verse 4, it says there'll be no tears, no death, no sorrow or crying, there'll be no pain. And that's a wonderful thought. And so a lot of times we think about heaven, we think about the things that are here that we deal with that will not be in heaven. But there are some things in heaven that we need to have or we need to do here on earth there are some things in heaven that we need to be concerned about here on earth and if we plan on making it to heaven if we plan on making it to that place then we need to be on the same page here as how things are going to be there and so that's the idea that we have uh, for our study this morning to get us started the couple of verses that were read for us again this is jesus's model prayer it wouldn't Call it the Lord's Prayer. It's been pointed out. The Lord's Prayer would be in John 17. But this is the model prayer. He was teaching how to pray. And he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to take that last phrase, as it is in heaven, this morning, and just base a lesson off of as it is in heaven, so we need to be doing the same things here on earth. just a few minutes this morning so as it is in heaven when we think about that i think the first thing as it is in heaven that we need to have here on earth is an understanding that god is worthy of worship in heaven it's an understood thing that god is worthy of worship and we need to have that same understanding here as well in the high school class we've been talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth this quarter And we spent some time last Sunday morning talking about the throne scene in Revelation 4, and so that's what we've got pulled up here. In Revelation 4, starting in verse 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Then we skip down to about verse 10. It says, The four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So in heaven, in this great throne scene that John saw, he saw that these 24 elders, and, and we skipped a few verses, they were, they were there were beasts there, pictured, and they were all worshiping God. In heaven, they understood that God is uh, worthy to be worshipped because it says, Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And we need to have that same understanding here, I think. In heaven, they have the understanding that God is worthy of worship, and we need to have that same understanding here. I like the way Hebrews 13 and verse 15 puts it, the Hebrew writer said, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So I looked up the word sacrifice here, and it's, it's some of the same, one of the same words that's used talking about sacrificing animals in the Old Testament. So they made physical sacrifices of animals. Well, here we offer the sacrifice of praise. I mean, it's an act of worship, praising God, and he's worthy of that. He's worthy of our sacrifice of praise to Him continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Psalm 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can you say that this morning? Can you say I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord? Or is it, well, I had to be drugged into the house of the Lord this morning. I went, but I didn't really want to this morning. We should be like the psalmist, right? We should be like the psalmist saying, well, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We get another opportunity to worship God because we understand that He's the Creator. He's the all-powerful God of heaven. We get another opportunity. Not we have to, we get to worship Him. And what a blessing that is when we realize all that He's done for us. We should look forward to the times that we get to come and worship God. It's something that we should enjoy doing. Uh, the point I was trying to make to our high school class talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth was that if we don't enjoy, if we don't look forward to worshiping God in spirit and in truth here, we're not going to get the opportunity to worship God in spirit in heaven. Right? We're not going to get that opportunity. If it's something that's just, uh, you know, it's something that we just grin and bear here, we're not going to get the opportunity to worship there. We should be like the psalmist I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So the first thing I think as it is in heaven that we need to have here on earth is understanding that God is worthy of worship and we should want to worship Him. We should have that desire just like they do in heaven because that's what we're going to do there. We're going to worship Him forever, forevermore, praising Him. The second thing as it is in heaven that I think we need to understand and know here on earth is that sin is hated in heaven. Sin is hated in heaven. Not that it's just dealt with. Uh, not that, you know, it's not the favorite thing, but we just kind of deal with it. No, sin is hated in heaven. I think that there's some people that talk so much about God's love that they'd be surprised if you told them that God hates some things. Recently, as you know, we, we studied, Greg gave us a series of lessons on each one of these things in Proverbs 6. And so we're not going to tear it down and go through every single one. But in Proverbs 6... Verses 16 beginning, it said, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So there's some things that God hates. And God does hate. And people say, Well, hate's a strong word. It is a strong word. God uh, does not want to be any part of sin. And so if we're going to be like God in heaven, if we're going to be as it is in heaven, we've got to have hate for sin as well. Uh, Because God hates sin. Unfortunately, some of these things are common in today's world. We've got to hate these things. In Isaiah 1, verses 14 and 15, God, through the prophet Isaiah, was talking to his people and they had sin in their lives. And so they were still trying to worship God and go through those motions, but they weren't living like God wanted them to live. And so Isaiah says in verse 14, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. So this is God through the prophet Isaiah saying that. It says, my, my soul hateth those things. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. And so... God here through the prophet Isaiah is telling His people, if you're involved in all this sin, then I'm not going to accept your worship. I don't want anything to do with that, because God hates sin. And so for us today, the the message is is that if we've got sin in our lives, then we can't just act like we're going to come and worship God and everything's okay and He'll accept it just because just because we're worshiping Him. No, if we're if we've got sin in our lives, if we don't hate sin, then our worship isn't pleasing to God. In Second Peter two and verse four. It says, for if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment. I sort of pulled that out of Second Peter 2. Uh, and we'll actually come back to this verse in just a minute with our next point. But I just think it's interesting that angels had the opportunity to see God, uh, be in heaven, know a lot more than we know about spiritual things. But they sinned, and then God didn't cut them slack. He... he He cast them down. He disciplined them for their sin because they were unwilling uh, to to turn away from sin. I just think that's very interesting. As I said, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But in heaven, sin is hated and God's not going to be around sin. Psalm 119 and verse 104 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So it's one thing just to say, well, I hate sin in general. So if there's sin out here, I hate that. I don't want to be a part of that. But I think we need to bring it a little closer to home and say we have to hate sin in our own lives. So when I sin and I do something wrong, I've got to hate that so much that I want to repent and change it. You know, Paul wrote that godly sorrow uh, produces repentance. So I've got to be not just sorry I got caught or sorry I did something that somebody found out about. I've got to be sorrowful that I've got sin in my life because God hates sin. I have to hate it enough, as we said, to be willing to repent And to work on ridding my life of sin. I've got to hate it that much. And again, so we said hate's a strong word. We need to hate sin like God hates sin. If we want to be in heaven with God, we've got to hate sin. So the third point I think that we need to talk about is that as it is in heaven, God's authority is respected. God's authority is respected in heaven. I, a few years ago, worked with a fellow that uh, we had religious conversations from time to time. And we were talking about the fact that I like sports. He knew I liked sports. I would watch football or, or basketball or whatever it is. And I remember us having the conversation and he was telling me that he doesn't watch sports because he spends the majority of his time reading and studying the Bible. And I thought, well, that's, that's a good thing. I'm, I would never say that that's not a good thing. I think it is. And so... The Super Bowl was coming up and he had asked me, was I going to watch it? And I said, well, I'll be at church on Sunday evening, but I may catch, you know, the second half of the game after I get home. And I remember as time got closer, he he said, yeah, my where I go to church, they're going to have a they're going to have a cookout and they're going to put the Super Bowl projected on the side of the building or something. And that's what their get together is going to be. And I remember thinking, now, two weeks ago, you were just getting on to me and and now your your church is you know, so-called churches doing that. So I asked him, I said, well, where do you have authority to do something like that? And I remember, I'll never forget, he said, what's authority? What do you mean? He had no idea what I was talking about. He had no clue what I was talking about. And it's sad that some churches never even talk about authority that they have uh, to do or practice anything. It's it's not even discussed. But in heaven, God's authority is respected. I said we wanted to go back to that Second Peter 2 verse 4 verse. We just read that, but we'll read it again. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So what is sin? Well, sin is a transgression of the law, right? Sin is a transgression of the law. And you sin by doing one or two ways. So you may have heard it said you sin by omission or commission. Right, So either I omit to do something that God told me to do and I sin. Or I commit something, I do something that God told me not to do. That's how we sin. What's interesting is, is when Peter here is talking about these angels. So we don't know what law was given to angels. But whatever law was given to angels, there was some things laid out for them to do. And they either did something that God said not to do. Or they didn't do something that God said to do. And so they sinned. Uh, there was a law given to them. Could we say it this way? They did not respect God's authority. They did not respect the authority of God in heaven. And so they sinned. And so they were cast down to hell. They were, they were kicked out of heaven, I guess, if you will. Because God's authority is going to be respected in heaven. In Matthew 21, starting in verse 23, there's a story about Jesus. And it says, And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him, as he was preaching, or as he was teaching, and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things, the baptism of John. Whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye then not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. I think this is an interesting little discourse here. So the Jewish people, uh, the Jewish leaders specifically, they felt threatened by Jesus and his teaching. And so they wanted to challenge him a little bit. They wanted to challenge him and see, you know, because their point was, if I can trip him up, then we can, we can catch him saying something wrong and then we can take back over and we can get, you know, we don't want him to take any of our power. And so they came to him and they were asking him this question to try to trip him up. What's interesting, I think, is, is that they ask him, by what authority doest thou these things and who gave thee this authority? I think that Jesus recognized that was a legitimate question. That's a valid question. By what authority do you do these things? But he knew their ulterior motives and so he, He turned the question back around on them, and when they weren't willing to answer it, then he didn't uh, go into further discussion with them. But I think that's a valid question, and I think it's a question that we need to be asking today uh, regarding everything we do. By what authority do we do these things? Do we do it by God's authority, or is it just my think-so's, something that I like? Um, We need to ask about what authority we're doing things, because God's authority is what needs to be respected on earth as it is in heaven. Remember the story of Nadab and Abihu? In Leviticus 10, verses 1 through 3, it says, "...And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified." And Aaron held his peace. Aaron couldn't say much there, right? His sons, Nadab and Abihu, were apparently given away in order to make this fire. So you may be thinking, fire is fire, right? I mean, if I strike a match or if I, you know, if I'm rubbing two sticks together to try to make fire, fire is fire. What difference does it make? Well, God had a prescribed way. If you're reading a different version, uh, the King James Version says that. Uh, they offered strange fire. You may be reading a version that says unauthorized fire. They just offered the fire in a way that God did not prescribe, and so it was unauthorized. They didn't respect God's authority. It sort of reminds me of um, a parent telling a child, when a child says, well, why? Well, because I said so. I mean, he's God. He gets to determine the rules. And he says the way to do it. What right do we have to tell him we're not going to listen to his authority? In Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23, these are very familiar verses that we know are talking about the judgment day scene. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So a couple key things to point out here, I guess. At the beginning, the people that are going to make it to heaven are the ones that do the will of the Father. He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So if we respect God's authority, we do His will, we're going to make it to heaven. At the end... He says here, I'll profess unto you, or to them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If you're reading another version, it may say, ye that practice lawlessness. Lawlessness means apart from the law, or basically you have not respected God's authority, you've done things your own way, you've worked iniquity, you practice lawlessness, and you're not going to make it to heaven. He's going to say, depart, I never knew you. And so that's what's going to happen on, on the judgment day when God is going to allow Folks, to go into heaven, the ones that are not going to make it are the ones that don't respect God's authority. The ones that will make it are ones that respect God's authority on earth, what we do here in this life, as it is in heaven. Revelation 22 and verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So those in heaven are going to be the people that do the will of the Father, the ones that do His commandments, the ones that respect His authority. Alright, as it is in heaven. Several things as it is in heaven that we need to have here on earth. We talked about three so far. Understanding God's worthy of worship. Knowing that sin is hated in heaven and we need to hate sin here as well. Knowing, we just talked that God's authority is respected in heaven. We have to respect it here. I've got one more point I'd like to submit to you. Is that in heaven, everyone is valuable to God. Everyone is valuable to God in heaven. In First Timothy two, starting in verse three, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You know there's a lot of folks that will tell you that Christ only died for a select few and I don't think they would say it this way, but really that means is that there was a select few that was valuable. God selected those to be his chosen people and everybody else wasn't as valuable, if you think about it in that sense. But here in First Timothy, what is said is, is that everybody has value. Everybody was valuable enough because God would have all men to be saved. All is pretty inclusive. Everybody so, the most wicked, sinful person you can think of, the most evil person that's ever lived, God would have had them to be saved if they were willing to repent. You know so whoever the most wicked person comes to your mind, the most wicked person you've met, you think they're just they're just bad people. God would have them to be saved. I guess as a side note, we didn't make this a point, but I guess another point we can make is that in heaven there's only one mediator between God and man. You know, there's some groups that will teach that there's multiple mediators. and You can pray to different people, but in heaven, there's only one mediator, and that's Christ Jesus, and he gave himself a ransom for a select few. He gave himself a ransom for all. In First John 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's pretty all-inclusive again. And so as we're reading through these verses, talking about everyone is valuable to God, that should cause us to think in two different directions. One, that's a good thing. I'm valuable to God. It doesn't matter, you know, who I am, where I come from. If I'm willing to obey God, I'm valuable to Him. Christ died for me and just like everybody else. But the other direction we should think is, is that all are valuable to God, so we need to be willing to teach all, not just a select few. You know, there's some folks that we prejudge and say, They're not going to care if we teach them. I know him. I've known him his whole life. He will not care or she will not care if I teach her. I just know. I just know they don't care about spiritual things. But everyone is valuable to God. Christ died for all. And so we need to be willing to teach all. Are all going to obey and believe? No. But we need to be willing to teach all because all are valuable to God. I know you know that 2 Peter 3 verse 9 is... Very familiar, and it says The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, the same the same theme is that all are valuable to God, and he would have all to come to repentance. So in heaven, here we're reading in Revelation twenty and verse twelve, what it's like in heaven. So John in the book of Revelation, he had visions we started out with the throne scene and he saw worship going on in heaven well here in revelation 20 and verse 12 john says i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works i just want to focus on the small and great being in heaven you know do you feel small or do you feel great Well, sometimes I think I just, I feel pretty small. I don't think I'm that important and valuable. You know, if something happens in my life, the people that are in power in this world are not going to have a clue. They don't even know who I am, don't know what I do at all. But I'm valuable to God. And we each are valuable to God. Everybody is. And so whether you're a great person in our minds, the small and the great are going to be in heaven if they're obedient to God. And so I think that's something that should give us comfort. Even though we may think we're of little value compared to others, we're valuable to God. The small and great will be there. Alright, so in heaven we mentioned four things. We mentioned that, right? It's understood that God's worthy of worship. And so that's what we've come here to do this morning. Hopefully we've done that in the right way. In heaven we've got to recognize that sin is hated, not just in everybody else's life, but in my own life. When When it pops up and there's sin there, I've got to hate that. And I've got to try to rid my life of that. We've got to recognize that God's authority has to be respected because it is in heaven. If we don't respect it here, we're not going to be able to make it to heaven. And lastly, we talked about the fact that everybody is valuable to God. All right, so hopefully, we've got something out of the lesson this morning. I appreciate your attention. We need to be doing things on earth here as they are in heaven so that we can look forward to, as we began the lesson saying, we can look forward to the things that we have to deal with here that are not going to be in heaven, like tears, pain, death, sorrow. We won't have to deal with those things in heaven. But in order to get there, we've got to do some of the things and more. We've got to do some of the things that we talked about here on earth as they are in heaven. We've got to do things in God's way. If you're here this morning and you have not obeyed the gospel, you have a wonderful opportunity to do that. What better time can you do that other than right now? You have to hear the word, believe it, Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Christ. And you have to be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's God's plan. So we need to respect His authority in that way. And if you haven't done it, submit to His will and you can be saved. If you have done that and you've fallen away, we'd be happy to pray for you and with you. If you have a need, we ask you to come forward while we stand and sing.